This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, why does Jesus have to die? In the couple of weeks leading up to Easter, we've been asking a number of guests some big questions about the events and circumstances of the Easter story, the week that changed the world. My first guest today is Victor Sue. Victor is a pastor of Reach Community Church, a church in the inner north of Melbourne. Please welcome Victor Sue. Well, welcome, Victor. We're glad that you can join us here today. Now, you've been a Christian believer for over 35 years. Do you remember back to those dark ages many years ago when you decided to become a Christian believer? What, what was it that convinced you to follow Jesus? When I was young, my earliest recollection was going to church when I was four or five years old, and it was Christmas. And of course, I didn't understand any of the message except that I got a Christmas gift. I went back very, very happy. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my earliest recollection. That church is fun. They give you presents. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, after that, I never went back to church. And I never knew about church. And uh, that was when I was four or five. Right. So uh, then in my teenage years, I started wondering about the meaning of life. And I come from Malaysia. That's... That's my origins, and there are a lot of uh, religions. So I've seen a lot of them. So I often ask, you know, when uh, in, in where I go to school, the first day of each, ter- of each year, there'll be a roll call. They'll name, call you, and you've got to say yes. And the next thing is religion. So when it came to me, it says, Victor Sue, religion, none. Then the next Obviously person. Obviously, that, that Christmas present wasn't enough to convince you. To convince you to uh, no, it didn't look. It didn't, didn't seem to be so. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I'm thankful of that too. Right. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, that'd be it. I thought that there'd be no more seeking. Yeah. So anyway, so eventually, I asked a lot of these people of their faith. You know, what makes them become to believe in their God? And I could not get a very, very convincing answer. And until I came to Australia, I was still seeking. And this. And I, I came to know God as my Lord and my Saviour, mm-hmm. you know, which is Jesus. What was it that particularly convinced you? As I mentioned, I've seen all these religions. You know, the, 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 the background to all of these religions never seemed to be credible to me. Right. And many of these founders of all these religions never claimed to be God. And what was the clincher for me was that history proved that there was a man called Jesus and he died and he rose again. Yep according to uh, what was written, according to his prophecy and other prophecies. And that was really the deal. And subsequent to that was I went to church for five weeks. I observed Christians, and they seemed to be more credible. They seemed to be happier. So, and it led me back to when I was four or five years old. I said, hey, these people are just as happy. Mm. And I like to have a life like that. And they seem to know where they're going, unlike many other faiths. Mm. Or religions. We're looking now at one of the most significant meals in history, which is the Last Supper of Jesus. Luke here at the beginning talks about the circumstances of this meal, which is a very special meal in the Jewish calendar, which is the Passover. What exactly is the Passover? The term Passover first appeared in the Bible was actually when the Israelites were in captivity mm-hmm. in Egypt. And during this time, God commanded that the Israelites to really celebrate this particular night with a sacrifice. Yep. It could be a goat, it could be a lamb without any blemish. 
and they were to bring it home on the 10th day and then keep it. And on the 14th day, in a twilight, it was sacrificed this. And it was significant in the, to the Jews because at that time they were enslaved for 400 years. Yep. And they were seeking deliverance. And God said, this very night, you would seek that liberty. And if you celebrate this feast and upon the sacrifice of this, this animal with the blood being painted on the post and the lintel, the angel of death on that night will pass over you and your family and you'll be safe. That's where salvation will be obtained. Mm, hence the name Passover Correct. because they're passing over uh, and, it, and it brings life and salvation. And, Correct. So on. and this festival was kind of continued in perpetuity, wasn't it? Correct. But now this particular Passover is special, isn't it? It is. Yeah. What's so special about this one? This one is actually performed and fulfilled by Jesus himself. Mm. And the Passover required a particular sacrifice, that of an animal. Yep. And blood has to be shed. And this blood is shed as an exchange. It's a medium of exchange. Yep. To, uh, it's like a payment to redeem. Mm -hmm. It is from the life of sin, of corruption. So, it's life for life, I suppose. Is that, is Correct. That yeah. Precisely. Yeah. And uh, for me to celebrate Passover subsequent to the, to, to the time of Jesus is that it was his, with his own life mm. that he paid. It was a supreme, supreme sacrifice offered by a man in a form. So it's really, really personified in a, in a, God, in a, in a scripture of John 3.16, for God so loved the world mm. that he gave his one and only son. Yeah. So it describes Easter as well, or it's him as the Passover lamb. Yep. The Jewish people really culturally believe in the practice of hospitality. Yep. A meal is very, very important. And for someone that was again on the eve of his betrayal, wanting to actually spend time with his disciples and having a meal, it, is, it says, speaks very, very loudly of love. It is great love, yep. you know, limitless love, abounding love. So I see this basically setting us in love and uh, a place without any disturbance that he wants to spend his last moments in a pouring of his love. Mm -hmm. And I see this and a cup, the bread, and basically it was something that he has prepared to describe or to present for posterity and to the disciples to understand. Mm. And it's symbolic. Hey? I mean, there's lots of symbolic meals and stuff. Like Christmas has symbols and so I'm not sure. What, what sort of symbols do you have at Christmas? For us, besides the present, would be the turkey. Uh, Quite often we bring out the uh, runner, a red runner, to put it on the uh, dining table. That, that special runner? Yeah. Wow. That's so. going to be a special occasion when you bring out the runner. <laughs> now, Victor, as a part of this Passover meal that Jesus celebrates in this week that changed the world, there are symbols like bread and wine. Now, I'm just wondering, how does a person with Chinese background react to bread and wine? So wouldn't noodles and green tea perhaps be more appealing? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't answer that. <laughs> I think uh, it'd be difficult. I, po you know, I, I, I think it would not work so well. Right. It would not work so well. I could just imagine trying to break bread and you, instead you break noodles. You know? <laughs> I can see it'd be months. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I can see that it's going to be mushy and messy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So and a green tea, hmm, how could you tell me it represents a symbolic of blood? Green? Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe not human blood, perhaps. That's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, what, so what do the symbols mean then? So bread and, bread and wine, what, what, what do they mean? 
I mean, bread is a staple, and a wine, you know, in those days, is a staple because yeah. coming from a Gregorian uh, society, and Jesus, I believe, he used bread. Simple reason is that it had been a loaf, and on that night uh, before his betrayed, he used that loaf to represent that we are one. Mm. That we he also, are one he also says there, uh, he says, it took the bread, this is in verse 19, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given Broken. for you. He said he broke it and then it's broken for you. And each one of you, you take one piece. Although there are many pieces, but they come out from the same one loaf. Hmm. We are one, but we are many. You know? Yet we are actually all belonging to that one part. Hmm. And a Paul, the Apostle Paul picks it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are members of the same body. Hmm. So with Christ being the head. And he used that to represent his body broken for each one of us mm. and then the, it says the the cup is a new covenant in my blood <clears throat> i suppose this is where green tea doesn't work <laughs> so well because it's no. not i mean unless you have a very bad green tea i imagine it, it goes red well by the way there is tea that's fairly red there's red tea and they're fermented tea too <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, i think importantly i think he, he used that to say in a use every day items to mm. talk about life and because we eat and perhaps the culture of the Jews today bread and wine even like many other cultures is common and he used that to say that it's important it goes back to the need to shed blood mm. to redeem life for life correct and so, it's very very important yeah so as we we're sort of finishing up here what's the, so what's the significance of the Last Supper. Like this is meal, we're talking about significant meals in history. Why is this meal important? I mentioned earlier, it really, really uh, embodied in these elements will be something holistic that God has on that very, very night given us everything we need, body, soul, and spirit. The cup uh, and the bread being for food, for the body. And he said, give thanks. It's actually healing for the soul. And finally, you know, anyone partake of this would live forever. We have redemption or salvation. Mm. So this is how I see it. And because, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says that by his stripes we are healed. Jesus bore all our sicknesses and infirmities on the cross. And this is what it says. And Hebrews chapter 9 says the forgiveness or the shedding of blood allows for us to have forgiveness of sins. So, which is very, very important as well, too. Mm. So, this Last Supper, again, to, uh, to sum it up, is really very, very important because it is the covenant of covenants. Mm. So, today we've, we've seen more about why this week was the week that changed the world. Jesus predicts his substitutionary death, ushering in this new kingdom of God, this new covenant of covenants, as Victor has just shared. Today's big question is, why does Jesus have to die? We've looked at the Passover, a meal with symbols pointing to reasons for why Jesus died. And now we consider the trial of Jesus with my next guest, the Reverend Tracy Lawson, who is rector of St. Paul's Anglican Church in Warrigal. Please welcome Tracy Lawson. Yep, come up here. Thank well, welcome, you. Tracy. I'm glad that you could join us here today. Thank you. Now, you've been working in a church for a long time and have been a Christian believer for many years. Can you tell us what convinced you to become a Christian in the first place? Great question. Uh, I, when I was a teenager, a friend at school invited me along to her church, her youth group, and I went there 
uh, from time to time over a number of years. Um, I also made a friend there who was at my school as well and she kept following me up like she'd keep inviting me to stuff so if she was I had a bit annoying was she she was a bit annoying <laughs> at times um and uh so if I hadn't been to church for a while she'd invite me back and I mean this went on for about six years right. she was very persistent um she was very successful I have to say I'm, I'm the godmother of her daughter and uh, we've been solid friends for decades and decades but at the time she was just someone who um cared enough to keep inviting me in to hear the message about Jesus and on one of those occasions um, I did go and hear with her a preacher who was preaching from a passage in the Old Testament Psalm 51. Mm -hmm. It's a psalm about um, a king who does some terrible things and he's asking God to forgive him and as the preacher preached from this passage I think even though I'd been in and out of church for many years was a real penny dropping moment for me to comprehend what sin was that the king who was praying this prayer that's recorded in the bible had done something terrible and that god actually has a standard the king hadn't achieved it and as i reflected on my own life i thought you know I have to acknowledge that the life I am living is not one that God would be happy with. And then the flip side to that is the forgiveness that's offered in Jesus Christ and this incredible fresh start. And even way back uh, when the King writes this long before Christ came, it's, it's claiming a forgiveness that is made available in Jesus. And I think having heard this, I just it struck me, I thought, well, I, I actually understand this and I think it's all true and I've got to make a choice and I realise that if I, even if I make no choice, that's a choice in itself to walk away from, from what I understand. So uh, I went back to my home. I was living in Canberra at the time and prayed a prayer to God that he would forgive me and uh, then I rang my friend who was living in Sydney and I said, come down next weekend and help me to find a church. Wow. Um, I was about, I was in my early 20s at this stage and I think because I'd become a Christian, come to faith in Jesus as an adult and I hadn't grown up in a Christian family, I grew up in a wonderful family but not a believing family and I was just struck with how little I knew about the God that I'd put my faith in so pretty quickly I got this idea that I could take myself off to Bible college and right. study for a few years and I did that about a year and a half later and here so we all, go. Boots I, and all. That's right, know, boots <laughs> and all, you that's to make right. A decision. So it wasn't simply that you made the decision to appease your friend. Oh. Oh, finally, I'll just do it to, to get her off my back. No, but I'm grateful for her persistence and uh, it actually encourages me when I, you know, invite my friends to church and they go, no, and I think in my mind that's such a big deal. In their mind, they've forgotten it in half an hour, you know. That <laughs> <laughs> so I'll keep being persistent. Right, okay. <laughs> Today we're considering why Jesus had to die and we're about to look at the trial which condemned Jesus to death. But before we do that, I'd like to invite award-winning poet and performer Cam Simmons to come and provide some poetic insight. So please welcome Cam Simmons. A Christmas, a long time ago, an angel appears, an announcement made, a miracle in Mary's womb, a gift from God. A baby, a boy. Time passes. A toddler, a teenager, a man, a prayer, a worker, a carpenter. His time arrives. A desert, a solitude, a testing. 
a real beginning. Jesus, a body healer, a sin forgiver, a kingdom preacher, a toucher of the sick, a friend of the hated, an insider for the outsider, a table turner, a water walker, a storm calmer, a finder of the lost, a firster of the last, a lover of the least, a giver of life to others, a giver of life his own, a kiss, a betrayal, a trial, a farce, a lie, another, another, stripping, whipping, ripping lies, a sham, a silence, a conviction, a cross, a nail, a thorn, a crown, a cry. It is finished, a death, a tomb, a rock, a day, another, another, an emptiness, a hopelessness, a stirring, a rolling, an opening, Jesus. An emptying, a hope, an angel, a proclamation. The Lord is arisen. A faith, a hope, a love, a salvation. Amen. Tracy, your thoughts, reactions to Cam's poetry there? Yeah, I love that there were, there were kind of a couple of beginnings and... Um, a number of things that Cam was talking about are things we read, we have to read between the lines of scripture to find them, like Jesus, his childhood, his adolescence, and those sorts of things. Um, so that was lovely, and it, it was a Twitter-esque, very speedy <laughs> summary of um, Jesus from birth through death through resurrection. As I was listening to a lot of what Cam was saying about Jesus, the healings and the compassion and so on. And I'm thinking from the perspective of trial, you listen to that description of the man and you think it's impossible to understand why he was killed on that basis. You know, from our perspective, we think this was a great man. Yeah. This was a miracle worker, um, you know, and yet, and yet he was so hated uh, by the Jewish leaders and condemned to, to die on a cross. So maybe we'll just think a little bit about this section here. Jesus has been arrested by the religious leaders, taken to Pontius Pilate, who's not an aeroplane pilot, I discovered, uh, but the governor of the region. And the passage sort of has three elements, doesn't it? There's the charge, the trial, and then the punishment. So the charge against him, this was brought by the religious leaders. Why would they want him dead? As, as you've said, like, he was so good, did so many amazing things. Why would they want him dead? Mm, he was an incredible threat to them. And it's interesting, the charges that are brought against him. They say when they take him to Pilate, that he has subverted the nation, opposed payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. Now, what they were really concerned about was his claim to be Messiah. And the Messiah was literally the anointed one 
Um, but the common phrase for the Messiah was king. It was the person, uh, king descended from King David's line. Um, that was, and they were ex- they were waiting on um, a king that God would send to free them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Jesus comes and he claims to be the Messiah, that's an incredible. It's an incredible claim. Um, they reject his claim and they want to get rid of him because he is creating so much trouble for them. And he is, he's questioning um, and, and accusing them of not actually living lives that God would be happy with and not serving him at all. So he's an incredible threat to the Jewish leaders. But when they bring him to Pilate, they add in these extra charges. He's subverting the nation and he opposes payment of taxes to Caesar. Now that's entirely inaccurate. Um, and if you just flick back in the chapter, they had sent someone to say to him, uh, you know, they'd shown him a, they'd said, you know, do you agree we should pay taxes to Caesar? And he had said, show me a coin. And on it was a picture of Caesar. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So Jesus, actually, when he was asked about paying taxes, um, had said we ought to pay mm-hmm. our taxes. So it's, it's, um, it's very false. Uh, it's a false accusation. Um, but it's one they're trying to get the interest of the Romans to, because they they want the Romans What's to right? crucify why, why else him. What's Roman? Why, I mean, so, yeah. so what if he's the Jewish Messiah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't really. I, that, that was really a threat. That was a threat to the Romans as well because um, because the Romans considered their leader to be God, and you weren't allowed to claim to be mm. like God and to accept worship. So there was a bit of that. Um, I suppose that's why they've well. added in. He claims to be a Messiah, yeah. a king. Yes, that's so, right. I.e. This is a threat to you yeah, yeah. in terms of your power and authority and so yeah. on in the land. Then we consider the trial of Jesus itself. What do you make of the account of Jesus' trial we have? Yeah, if you, if you read the account, it you know, he was declared innocent by Pilate. I find no basis for a charge against this man, he says. Yep. So, so if you like, that's kind of like the first little trial and Jesus is found to be innocent. Then he sends him to, to Herod Antipas in Galilee uh, who who uh, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate once again says, I can't find a reason. Um, the crowd asked him to release Barabbas, who was much more of a threat to the Romans than Jesus was. Uh, he was a violent revolutionary. Um, and in the end, he says, I-, I found in him no grounds for the death penalty, but in the end, their shouts prevail. So the decision that Pilate makes is to pacify the crowd. It's not about justice. It's about being, allowing himself to be swayed by public opinion um, and his desire. These are people, these are his subjects. He wants to pacify them. So he does something that he he knows is unjust. Would it be too cynical to suggest that he's a typical politician? (laughs) (laughs) He makes a political decision, that's for sure. This says so much about um, the value of a human life in the first century as well. Uh, the whole, the way the, the trials were conducted, the way that Jesus was mocked and not represented, no one really cared. But there's also a certain irony with this guy Barabbas, who's, they want him released, even though he's a known murderer and leader of an insurrection. Yes, so the one that was guilty is, is set, set, free, set free, and the one who was innocent is the one that is punished uh, for a crime that he didn't commit. Um, but there's an irony there too when we think about um, salvation and the story there, which is the story that um, we are the guilty and yet we are the ones that get to go free. This raises another question. As I mentioned before, if God is good and powerful, 
How could he let Jesus be condemned like this? Yeah, well, justice is an attribute of God. Like we, we read the word justice in the Bible more than 100 times, particularly in the Old Testament. But while we often think of justice as fairness, um, God's justice is always about what is right and it's also mixed in with his mercy. So sometimes justice leads to punishment and wrath, but other times mercy plays a significant role. So the prophecy about um, the coming salvation says, Zion will be redeemed with justice. So it's gonna be redeemed, there'll be a redemption there. So mixed in with the idea of God is gonna do what is right, is that God will be merciful and that he will redeem and save. So what, he, what happens on the cross is God bringing about justice at personal expense. Like that is part of the Godhead that is, that is suffering on the cross. It's like God paid, paid uh, for the crime that we committed. So yes, justice is served, um, sin is put to death, forgiveness is possible, and it's all done through God actually sacrificing part of himself That's why it's so cross. important that Jesus will, is actually God himself. So he does what needs to be done, but he does it in such a way that his mercy flows through to us and we get what we don't deserve. We get forgiveness. Um, so I think the book of Romans says that, you know, that, that just at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. That's us. God giving his life for the ungodly, making it possible for us. So Tracy, why does Jesus have to die? couldn't God just say it's okay I think justice needed to be served um, I remember a preacher using this illustration of um, a, their child was killed by a drunk driver this is the illustration it didn't happen directly to the preacher and uh, so a drunk driver kills their child and you know can that person just forgive the criminal who's done that you know, can you just write that off and go, oh, it's okay. I know you didn't mean to have those drinks. You know, there's, there's an, there is something innate and characteristic about us that says, no, justice must be served. And so when we, when we think about sin and our, our cosmic dilemma, justice needed to be served. God could only save us through nevertheless punishing sin. Um, so he's made a way possible for, a, for you know, justice is served and we are able to be recon reconciled to him. So we're making this big leap between Jesus endured this trial, he was unfairly condemned and died on a cross, but actually that was God's plan all along. And Jesus prophesied about that. Like he, he says in, in the Gospel of Mark, it's recorded, he said, uh, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Like he saw that he came, his whole reason for, for coming was in order to make that sacrifice. And perhaps that's why he goes like a lamb to the slaughter and doesn't use the powers that he has shown before that he has um, in order to stop this trial and its consequences. Let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question about why Jesus has to die from Luke 23, 24. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown in prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank Tracy Lawson. Hi everyone, Rob Martin here, host of Bigger Questions. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bigger Questions. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
Now, as you're probably aware, Easter is approaching, and that's why we're sharing some special Bigger Questions episodes exploring the events and circumstances of that first Easter week. Now, to accompany these Easter episodes, we've produced a special reading guide entitled The Week That Changed the World. Now, this little reading guide is designed to walk you through the last week of Jesus' life. It contains the events leading up to and including the Easter story from Luke's biography of Jesus' life, as well as reflections from workers around Australia. And it even has pictures. So why not engage the Easter story firsthand? Grab a copy of this guide or find someone to discuss with and be better informed about the week that changed the world. You can get a copy by sending a message on our website, biggerquestions.org, or to our Facebook page, or send me an email at robert.martin at citybibleforum.org. Now, if you're in the city of Melbourne, you can pop into the City Bible Forum offices at level 226 King Street, and you can pick up a hard copy. We'd love to help you ask some bigger questions about the Easter story. Now, also, if you want to support Bigger Thinking, then please support the show on Patreon. You can support for as little as US $1 a podcast at patreon.com slash bigger questions. So thanks for listening. And remember to keep asking the bigger questions.